0: The best thing about a machine that makes sense is you can very easily make it turn out. The Doctor Who Podcast. And welcome to episode 54 of the Doctor Who Podcast. Well, listeners, a bit of a story, a bit of a tale for you before we get going with this particular episode. Turned up to the DWB recording studio that masquerades as a caravan most of the time, and I found not one, but two notes on the door this time around. Both Trev and Tom are on holiday, but... In a way, something that compensated adequately for those two absences, I found a two-minute time lord waiting for me instead. Hello, Chip. The least you could have done was let me out of the caravan after (laughs) 53...
1: Hello, yes. James.
0: Hello. I'm, I'm I'm. very sorry to have kept you uh, locked up, but given the absence of the other two, you know, we needed to bring in some real quality uh, to compensate. And uh, our, our listeners, I think you're going to be in for a treat. Um, as you know, Chip was here in our last episode as well. Um, and Tom and I were as well. We just never really got to speak to each other. Um, such as the perils of editing. Such are the perils of being locked in a chest while you two did the... We treated Chip admirably listeners you don't want to listen to any of his whinging anyway this time around you're going to get a download of the latest doctor who news a chip and james so without any further ado let's get stuck
1: in well first up as we we're recording this uh children in need has come and gone and uh there was a fair bit of doctor who material on it with a uh, heartwarming uh presentation and a bit of a trailer for the Christmas story. What's so special about Christmas? I despise Christmas.
0: It's Christmas Eve. We're asking for one moment of
1: kindness. Then ask Father Christmas. Time can be rewritten. People count. Whatever happens tonight, remember, you brought it on yourself. Who are you? I'm a ghost of Christmas past.
0: Oh, it was quite interesting. I think, really, everybody was expecting something similar to to that which we received for the last couple of years. And that's, you know, virtually the entire pre-credit sequence of both End of Time Part 2 and prior to that, The Next Doctor. Um, this time around, as you say, we, we didn't get that. We, we got Matt and Karen kind of acting, but they were referring to them their own characters as well. They were saying, well, you know, the doctor does this, the doctor does that. So it kind of seemed a little bit uncertain of itself, I think.
1: Hi. Thanks for everything you've been doing for Children in Need this year. Your generosity makes a massive difference to children all over the country.
0: Now, some of the money you give helps children coping with the after effects of meningitis. And we're about to meet two brothers whose lives you've changed for the better. Joseph and Brandon are huge Doctor Who fans, so we thought it was time to meet them. Hey. Hey! So, Joseph and Brandon are outside.
1: Yeah, they have no idea that they're gonna meet us in the TARDIS. Yeah,
0: and we're gonna have tea with a Time Lord. In the
1: TARDIS. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, we've got Whippy Pies, And Jump Dodgers, favorite Absolutely, they? the Doctor loves them. And
1: there's some sandwiches. <laughs>
0: Lovely kettle.
1: Yeah, no, oh. that's a
0: teapot. <laughs> Teapot. <laughs> Let's hope they like it. Yeah. <laughs> Hello!
1: Hey! Come in! Come in, guys! President <laughs> <Brother> Joseph. How are you boys? Good to meet you. You
0: made it to the top see is actually <laughs> the engine area, so this is where he flies it from. What's this, Karen? Right, what area is this? This is a pinball machine. No, this is the navigation area. It's you see, a pinball I'm...
1: machine.
0: <laughs> so this makes it go really uberly fast. <laughs> and there's a bell. Yay! That's what I'm not doing cake, boys. If
1: you come and sit here,
0: what do you want? Do you drink tea, or if not, there's some cloudy lemonade.
1: Yeah. Some lemonade alright. <laughs> What's your favourite episode? The Weeping Angels. <gasps> Good Ooh, choice. Yeah. They're my favourite as well. Boys, dig in.
0: I quite like to try and get the whole thing in my mouth when I can. Oh,
1: that's impressive. <laughs> I'm going to try it. <laughs> oh, a bibbit.
0: Oh. oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> Dude, you made the TARDIS. High five, man. High five. And you flew it. No one's flown it, really, under the age of. Oh, who's oh. <laughs> On my count, boys, on three. You're going to press this and you're going to pull this up. Mm One, two, three. And they tried clearly to to marry that up with, um, well, the reason why children in need exists, and that's to to highlight um, um, children either with uh, disabilities or in need in some way. And I think that worked. Um, However, from a Doctor Who perspective, from a purely Doctor Who fan's perspective... I have to say I was a little bit disappointed given that we just got a trailer, but looking back on it now, it's very, very in tune with the way Moffat has handled all publicity for Doctor Who, with all of his Doctor Who. How do you mean? Well, we don't get as much. Um, RTD was particularly... Talented, I think, at um, giving the fans. Well, I don't know if "talented" is the right word, but he was quite generous with what he gave to fans. And and, and you look at the specially recorded scenes that we've got in previous years, "Children in Need,"s. Um, I mean, culminating spectacularly, I think, with, uh, with with "Time Crash," and this time it's it's the first time we got so little. We got just what was it, perhaps just over sixty seconds of of uh, footage from a Christmas Carol. So. You know, it's good and it's bad. It's it's good if you don't like spoilers because we know very little more um, than we did prior to this little trailer being aired. But uh, it's bad if you're actually looking forward to a little bit, you know, something with a little bit more substance in it.
1: I uh, didn't have the chance to watch it live, but I did listen to it. Uh, uh, the Tin Dog podcast, Michael, uh, re- re-brought, retransmitted that a uh, little bit. Mm. Um, and it was... I found it actually kind of heartwarming having Matt Smith and Karen Gillan uh, with the children on the TARDIS set, having a tea party, um, being silly, giving the kids the time of their life, driving driving to work, listening to that. I, uh, I, ha- I had a big old sentimental grin, so hmm. it was something very different from what has been done for children in need since 2005, uh, so... Um. It it it's not uh. It's not a wealth of uh, story material for Doctor Who. But it. I thought it did put a good face on uh the program uh during Children in Need.
0: No, absolutely, and I I'd, I'd certainly go with that. I I just can hear a conversation in my head. You know, the BBC saying, "Right, Mister Moffat, we need some Doctor Who stuff for Children in Need," and. Stephen Moffat thinking, well, I don't really want to give too much away. It's not my style. You know, I, he, he's managed very successfully to keep um, any kind of advanced information, you know, leaking out, uh, far better than the previous production crew, I think. So perhaps this was just a kind of trade-off and Moffat thought, well, let's let's create something brand new, bring Doctor Who in line with what Children in Need is all about. And I think from that point of view, it was extremely successful. But um, yeah, I, I guess once you know the story is going to be a parody on A Christmas Carol there's not a great deal more that you can really show someone or show an audience and, and actually expect to gain you know a little bit more publicity from it so yeah all in all I think it was uh, it, it was different and it was <laughs> I suppose it was a success. Right moving on then there was a rather significant landmark for Doctor Who fans called the twenty. 23- 3rd of November, I think. Um, Did you do anything special on that particular day, Chip?
1: I watched an episode of Doctor Who. Mm. Any particular episodes? (laughs) Uh, Sad to say, not uh, the one in question that everybody on my Twitter feed appeared to be watching right at the same time. It was the 47th anniversary viewing of An Mm. Unearthly Child. Indeed. Which episode were you watching as a matter of interest? uh i'm not you know i actually don't remember but it was one
0: <laughs> it was I, one but well, i i think everybody celebrated the uh the kind of landmark in uh, in in their own way and it it's something that i think we probably should have done something about on the on on the podcast perhaps and i've yet to find out or yet to hear uh, if anyone has done a commentary on the very first episode of doctor who but that would have been quite a fitting Landmark, I I think. So there you are. So that's what this news item really is, listeners. It's what we could have done but
1: didn't to mark the 47th anniversary of
0: Doctor Who airing.
1: This is called making a to-do list for the 48th anniversary.
0: Ah, you wait, and now we're going to have about six different commentaries of the same episode. (laughs) But but there you go. You know, it's such a good episode uh, that, you know, I'd be very interested to hear what other people thought in a commentary format. And I'd, I'd love the RFS guys to to dig that one out of the closet and um, just listen to what they say, because they've got an ability listeners. If you don't listen to Radio Free Scarrow uh, to watch an episode of Doctor Who that you've seen hundreds of times and then bring out brand new stuff. So I, I thoroughly recommend you go and have a listen to-, to Radio Free Scarrow's commentaries. But anyway, that turned into a kind of plug and it never intended to be. So.
1: Well, that's two podcasts we've plugged so far. I wonder Ooh. how many more will happen. More
0: well, 57 to go thereabouts, isn't there, with Doctor Who podcast these days? There's, there's hundreds.
1: Listeners, start your tally marks. Going back a few episodes of the
0: DWP now, when we went through the news in some detail then, we talked about there being announcements for pretty much simultaneous broadcast of A Christmas Carol um, in America and Australia, and the only... Country that was missing an announcement date or a broadcast date was Canada, and that's now been rectified. It's going to be aired on the Space Channel on Boxing Day. So, America, Australia, Canada, and the UK will get the Christmas special this year within 24 hours, give or take the time difference. So, really, really good news and massive progress, I think.
1: Absolutely. Uh, this has obviously been a soapbox of mine uh, ever since just about i started podcasting um i can't imagine that other means are going to be anywhere near as utilized as they have been in the past for people to see Mm. this thing because within 24 hours it'll have been on uh television everywhere and everywhere that it's appearing on television it seems to be turning up one day later on itunes without any commercials so it's fantastic
0: no, it's a brilliant piece of news. And uh, the only thing that's slightly puzzling is why it's taken six years, more or less, to actually achieve a 24-hour time uh, lag, which I, which I think is, you know, it is an amazing achievement given how difficult it's obviously been. But well done to the powers that be. And uh, I don't know if you remember, Chip, some time ago, it must have been about two years or so ago now, that there was a number of Doctor Who podcasts. There was a, <laughs> there was a number of Doctor Who podcasts in existence even then. All decided to come in together and make, well, an appeal essentially for Doctor Who to be broadcast more or less the same time the world over. And it's nice, you know, to be heard at last. I'm sure it had everything to do with it.
1: I think Trevor and I can rest back, smoke a cigar or two and uh, consider ourselves to have changed the world.
0: Well done, <laughs> now, those of you in the u k uh, and probably worldwide as well would have seen a cyberman take to the London Underground this week there's been a significant amount of coverage um on what well, was local television as far as I was concerned it was uh, it was on london tonight um and this was Doctor Who coming up with a fantastic piece of branding I think is the only real way of putting it um well, let's explain what actually happened to start with. Um, you remember those fantastic classic scenes out of the invasion with the Cybermen coming down the steps from St. Paul's Cathedral? Absolutely. Oh, iconic scenes. Well, they were recreated with a new Cybermen, and obviously when they walk down the bottom of the steps... This time around, they, they came face to face with the Millennium Bridge, which of course wasn't there um, when the invasion was recorded. And there's been some fantastic photographs posted on the Internet as well from people who either just happened to be there or who got wind that this publicity stunt was taking place. And I, I just think it was a really very innovative uh, way of bringing Doctor Who to you know public consciousness again at a time when it's not very prominent on television. And of course, we over here at the moment Chip, have got um, a series of tube strikes. There's been an industrial dispute going on for coming up to hmm, feels about five or six weeks or so now. And all of the newspapers were saying, "Well, maybe we should send a cyberman to negotiate with the extremely militant union leaders." Um, uh, so yeah, great, great piece of branding, I think. And it was really good to open the newspaper and see cybermen everywhere. It was all to promote the Doctor Who experience, which we've reported on in the podcast uh, some weeks ago now, that's opening at Olympia, which is Earl's Courtway here in London, in February. And I haven't got my tickets to go, but I intend to acquire some at some point. And it's just amazing, really. Uh, a massive promotion of the programme itself, along with what's going to be, I think, the largest interactive exhibition that Doctor Who has ever seen.
1: Every description I've read about this thing uh, has me really excited and counting my pennies uh, for an uh, uh, overseas trip. Uh, the full-size Tardises, TARDIS sets, the, the tenant set and the uh, Matt Smith set, It's the kid in me is well-pleased. Ah,
0: so may we be seeing uh, a visit from Chip at some point next year then to the UK shores?
1: Listeners, uh, my PayPal address <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> Okay, I'll behave. In DVD news, uh, according to writer Stephen Wyatt, his story Paradise Towers is rumored to be getting a 2011 release from To Entertain. And that complements the confirmed releases already confirmed for 2011, Meglos, The Mutants, and The Ark, and possibly Shada. And there's Mm -hmm. been some interesting stuff being said about Shada lately. No,
0: absolutely. And, uh, well, first of all, can I say it's fantastic to hear the two-minute time we we'll talk about classic Doctor Who for once.
1: <laughs> so a good choice I've of news item it there. i watched it once or twice. <laughs> Damn you, you to- Sherman. <laughs> Have you had the pleasure
0: of seeing Paradise Towers yet, I have
1: not caught up to that one, no.
0: Oh, well, that's something that you, you've, it's, oh, you've got to look forward to. It, it probably rivals Delta and the Bannerman as, as um, probably the worst perceived McCoy story. <laughs> uh, it, the only problem with Paradise Towers that it's actually four episodes long as opposed to three. But, yeah, I mean, I've always had a kind of soft spot for Paradise Towers, and I can't really say why, but if, if this is actually true, and again, all. We're doing is reporting uh, what's on Stephen Wyatt's blog. Then you know, fantastic as far as I'm concerned, and I'm, I'm looking forward very much, looking forward to um, the Ark as well. And I haven't seen the Ark for well, goodness knows how long since it's been released on VHS. But like you say, Chip, um, Sharder news. Um, I, I heard something last night. I happened to be at the Fitzroy Tavern along with a couple of other. Doctor Who podcasters, and it is rumoured that they are doing something rather special. And I won't go into detail in case it's completely, well, wrong. Um, But I think certainly, listeners, if this comes off, we've got quite a treat in store next year if Sharda does indeed get a release.
1: Potentially. Uh, Let me uh, toss another plug to our friends over at Radio Free Scarrow. Uh, And their episode recently, uh, 225, talked in rather great detail about this. So if you want to be spoiled and uh, get a certain amount of gossip over what might happen with Shada and who might be involved in trying to put it together and whether or not that has a realistic shot of happening, uh, check them out at RadioFreeScaro.com.
0: I think that's one of the best ways of describing the box of a jigsaw puzzle in great detail without actually telling people what the picture is.
1: So James, what's uh, going on with the world of Sarah Jane Smith?
0: Well, as of this moment in time, not a terrific amount because Series 4 has just finished broadcasting here in the UK and it's not done badly. Um, On the first broadcast of each of the episodes, it's got a consistent audience figure of around a million and that that goes up to around about 1.5 million after it's transmitted on BBC Two and BBC One as well. And yeah, I mean, listening to the reviews that other podcasts have done and uh, there are a number of podcasts who've actually been reviewing these as they broadcast, um, then the opinion seems to be that this is one of the best series of the Sarah Jane Smith adventures yet. And I have to say, I, I was at the BFI uh, to see the death of the Doctor preview, and and since then I've I've been quite captured by the story arc really as well in this season, and I've, I've I've really enjoyed it. And we'll have a look at it in more detail on the Doctor Who podcast at some point in the future. But um, have you managed to catch any of these episodes, Chip? This particular series?
1: No, very little. We are over here in the US. Uh, I think Sarah Jane Series One actually aired on a network. And since right. then, it hasn't been made it to television at all. Uh, series 2 is available on DVD here in Region 1, and Series 3 is forthcoming. Uh, so if you go to iTunes, all you can get are the first two seasons. So we're horribly, horribly behind, and it's going to feel really weird seeing that box set with the sticker on it saying, featuring David Tennant's last uh, filmed scenes <laughs> as the Doctor.
0: Yeah, indeed. And it's interesting, actually, to compare David Tennant's um, outing in series three to Matt Smith's in series four, certainly in terms of audience figures. And I, I don't have the precise figures to hand, but I'm absolutely certain David Tennant's figures were roundabout about. Two to two and a half million, something like that. It was significantly higher than Matt Smith's episodes.
1: No explanation for that, I guess. But uh, still, the numbers were good and uh, the series has been picked up for another year. And it is, as uh, you guys have repeatedly said, it's really the spiritual successor to the classic series in terms of Mm. storytelling.
0: No, absolutely, and um, well, two points. There, season five is was actually part of the recording block when they did season four. This time, they actually that's recorded right, one right. one and a half seasons altogether, and they are going to. I don't know whether they've even started yet, finishing the second half of season five. But um, when when that was announced, or when it was discussed at the BFI and the panel after the screening of Death of the Doctor, then people were concerned, asking questions about. Um, you know hair length and continuity and would we be able to tell whether there's been a six or seven month gap in recording so it's going to be interesting so and, and perhaps you know this may be something to do with the way that they're recording Doctor Who next uh next year as well with the gap at least in transmission if not in actual recording as well for series six and seven.
1: Now, while we're not getting our share of Sarah Jane Smith, we have been getting uh, our share of semi exclusive Matt Smith with uh, the Nerdist podcast and, of course, the Craig Ferguson show, which uh, you guys mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nerdist podcast, nerdist.com, comedian Chris Hardwick, um, that was a fantastic interview, possibly the best interview I have ever heard with Matt Smith. Um, oh, it wow. was. Long, it, it was a long conversation entirely about Doctor Who, entirely, you know, fans talking to Matt Smith, which I really don't believe has been done yet. He's had bits and snatches of interviews here and there on the red carpet with the Podshot guys and things like that, but that was the first extended fan conversation that I've heard. Mm, I, I've
0: never heard, well, anyone since the show came back in 2005 be interviewed by fans, and I've, I've yet to hear this particular podcast but it sounds to me like an incredible coup and i mean I, I was wondering whether or not this podcast or the nerdist podcast is is that a a professional podcast i mean you say it's run by fans well no, no it's, it's it's
1: it's very much a pro, it, it's it's a comedian's sort of pro, podcast like you know uh director kevin smith has a podcast uh, chris hardwick has a you know these are uh, these nerd. are these are people with identities and professions you know comedians things like that and that they're that that they're doing this thing, on the side. It's not just a fan thing, but Chris Hardwick and his uh and his uh co-hosts or co-guests or whatever were very much talking to uh Matt at, from a fan's perspective, and uh, the an American fan perspective too, which was uh, really neat. And uh, Matt was just game. He was uh he was comfortable. Uh and uh it was a it's a lovely extended conversation, and you get to get a real feel for Matt, a lot like one of those uh, Benjamin Cook interviews in uh, DWM. Mm. In contrast to uh, the Craig Ferguson airing, which was just bizarre, I have seen the cr- I've seen a live taping of uh, the Ferguson show before. This is a twelve thirty a.m. chat show with uh, probably decent audience numbers from a e- English perspective, but uh, you know, small small late-night audience uh, for American. It's not a very traditional, programmed, let's-talk-about-your-show kind of uh, chat show. Uh, It's bizarre humor, and Matt seemed to be having a good time, but I have no idea what uh, your average late-night television viewer would have ever picked up on about Doctor Who, what it is, why it makes sense, and, who, and and I don't understand this. This this funny guy in the with the uh, hair looks entertaining, and he sounds pretty funny. But he also seems a little bewildered by where he is.
0: <laughs> I mean, presumably the BBC publicity machine must have known the
1: format of the start of the Craig
0: Ferguson show before agreeing that Matt Smith would actually go and
1: appear on it. Absolutely. And Ferguson Ferguson is a huge Doctor Who fan, and he's made a point of that. And uh, when mm. Hardwick from the Nerdist podcast has been a recurring uh, guest of his on the on the chat show, they've talked about Doctor Who sometimes uh, to the bewilderment of some viewers, I'm sure. So I think that's the pipeline. And and it was fantastic to see him, get, Matt Smith and Doctor Who get that kind of exposure on American television. Make no mistake. It Mm. was just a little strange because still over here in the U.S., nine out of ten people have no idea what Doctor Who is, and the other one person tends to remember something about a floppy scarf.
0: My first guest tonight is uh, on a show called Doctor Who. Uh, You're not surprised by that. (laughs) Really?
1: (laughs) Who is it, Ryan (laughs) Seacrest? you get that a
0: lot with the weird, uh, obsessive fans who yeah, just those, want to touch him? Like yeah, yeah, the fans are quite enthusiastic. There's a chap dressed there in a bow tie. You look smart. Yeah.
1: Hurrah.
0: So, yeah. See, so, look. What? Is there no way that I can just, like, hum the theme tune and then you can do the dance? Because well, the dance was so good. It was great. It really was great. I, I would hate for that to leak onto the internet, Matt. Yeah, anyway. yeah, 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 That would be awful.
1: What was amazing was that you were actually in it. I know. Yeah. I know,
0: I know, I know. And such, anyway. Ah, I... what the hell. Well, it's good to know that inefficiency can make it across
1: the Atlantic and all the yeah, way to the yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you having a nice time at the BBC? It's kind of like working at the post office, really, isn't Yeah,
0: it? I'm having a wonderful time at the BBC. I've got to say, I've been made to feel very welcome here, though, in the USA, man. Like particularly from you, Craig. Well, I'm. You see, I don't know if you know this, but I wasn't born here. No. <laughs> are you getting? To, are you getting to walk around and, and see this great country? I'm American. now. I can show you around if you want. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I drove. I drove up the coast from. Uh, well, I drove from sort of Vegas. I met a girl. After Vegas to is not the me. coast. Uh, no, we're not in.
1: Even... <laughs> you never... met
0: a girl in Vegas. I met a girl.
1: We're well, not in Whoa! Vegas.
0: You're really getting into the oh, American no, think, experience, aren't you? Everyone at the BBC is worrying. What's happening what you right now? I think <laughs> young Matthew met a young lady in Vegas. Oh, hello. What's her name? <laughs> Tiffany, I believe. Tiffany? <laughs> 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 yeah, I've never dated a girl called Tiffany. But fundamentally, I think it is good for any kind of exposure that Doctor Who does get stateside because, you know, traditionally it just hasn't had any exposure. It's been, you know, um, it's been in people's minds and in people's lives, really, purely through PBS. So to actually have the stars of Doctor Who, you know, being paraded on a fairly successful, well-known chat show is a massive advancement compared to to what's happened in the past. Okay, now this next news item, I've gotta say from a personal point of view, I am really concerned about, Um, and I'm gonna read this one as opposed to just ad-lib. Fifth Doctor Peter Davison is to join the cast of ITV's drama series, Law & Order. Filming begins shortly on the next series of the UK-produced show based on the NBC series. And, of course, this is a show that's had um, Freema Agyeman uh, take a starring role. And I think all, all four series so far. But the reason why I'm concerned, because if recording is about to start, then I'm wondering about the availability of a certain Fifth Doctor for the Gallifrey convention next year.
1: I am not worried unless, uh, Sean, uh, unless Sean Lyon, uh, the organizer and uh, uh, Great Bird of the Galaxy in charge of the Gallifrey One convention, unless he says something, I'm assuming that Peter Davison will be there. Uh, and, uh, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for him. Uh, Moffett has, uh, said a few times that he considered Peter Davison to be in terms of just p- as a pure actor. Uh, Moffat said a few times that he considered, uh, Peter Davison to be the best actor in the role of, uh, the classic doctor. And, mm-hmm. uh, to see him continuing to, um, Thrive in on the stage and on uh, the screen is great to see. Now the CPS—that's the Crown Prosecutorial Service or something like oh, that. Oh, very close, Crown Prosecution Service. Crown Prosecution Service. Does that mean that we're going to see him in one of those barristers' wigs? No, it won't. Um,
0: The director of the CPS is is generally a uh, politician, almost a bit of a chairman. Um, It depends how close, of course, the programme keeps to real life. But no, he's not going to be a barrister. Um, If he was in court as a prosecutor or a defender, then yes, he would be... um, Well, we'd have more hair than he usually does these days, let's say. (laughs) Uh, But but, uh, I I think it's it's an interesting story. I mean, make no mistake, this is a big gig for Davison. Um, You know, he's he's often taken small roles in the past and the kind of starring programmes that he's managed to managed to land have been you know mini series. there have been three or four episodes and then they're finished and they don't come back it's been quite some time since we had something like at home with the Braithwaite's where he's on your tvs once once a week uh, so this this is going to be a really good role for him assuming the character is playing you know is, is semi-regular and does feature quite prominently so congratulations Mr Davison but I, I still wait confirmation from Mr. Lyon uh, over in L.A. with bated breath.
1: Put your trust in Sean. OK,
0: in time-honoured fashion, uh, the stars of Doctor Who are going to get to become guest presenters on BBC Radio 1. And of course, this mirrors what David Tennant and Catherine Date... Ta- Catherine Date? Who's Catherine Date? Uh, this time Matt Smith and Karen Gillen get to go behind the microphone and this is going to be on Christmas Eve between 8 and 9am in the morning and the news article doesn't go into a terrific amount uh, of detail in terms of what they're going to be talking about but it's likely uh, to be focused on music and probably their favourite or their choices of music because that's generally what Radio 1 does when they have guest presenters on. Um Last year's shows were fantastic, and uh, between David and Catherine, I think the camaraderie was perfect, and if you look at the way that Matt and Karen have interacted since, well, pretty much their casting was announced, they are a pretty formidable double act in any kind of media, so it's something I'll certainly be tuning in for on Christmas Eve.
1: And that'll be 3am to 4am for those of us (laughs) in the eastern United States.
0: And what time will that be for Australian
1: listeners, That's That's that place where Trevor lives, right? (laughs) It's a small little island somewhere, yeah. I never think about that place. Well, Doctor Who hasn't been taking the gaming world by storm, at least if you look at the recent reviews for the Nintendo games, but uh, there's going to be another shot taken at the gaming market with uh, the Apple iPhone, iPod, and iPad uh, platforms, Mobile games designer Tag Games is going to be releasing The Mazes of Time. That will be available from the iTunes store, of course. Uh, The player takes on the role of either the doctor or Amy. Nice touch there for uh, boy and girl gamers. Engaging in action puzzles in which the time travelers race to save a family that has been attacked by a rogue Dalek. It's aimed at uh, players aged six and upwards, written by Oli Smith, who is also responsible for the Nintendo games, Evacuation Earth and Return to Earth, and uh, you know, the reviews from what I've heard for the Nintendo games haven't been for the writing so much as the game mechanics and such, but uh, a kids game for the Apple platforms, that sounds like a promising avenue. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think it's an interesting development, but it's a bit odd when you consider how long Gaming platforms have been around now, various different consoles and, you know, the Doctor Who computer games have been very conspicuous by their absence. I mean, there just hasn't been any games and all of a sudden, this last 12 months or so, this has got to be about the fourth or fifth game, I think, that uh, I've heard that has been released. And of course, if you count those on the BBC website as well, I think they're up to number four now, um, something along those lines then there's certainly a choice for people to choose from. And I'm I'm not a particularly big gamer myself. Um, I've taken a look at the very first BBC adventure game uh, that you could download. And the, the thing that strikes me is all of these games have had an author, they've been written, they've had a storyline, and they right. haven't just picked up, you know, a, a amateur writer. Uh, I mean, writers never used to be even credited for computer games. And you had Phil Ford, I think, was heavily involved in the BBC games. And Ollie Smith is, yes, he's a relative newcomer, but he's he's been quite prolific in the last six, seven months. And I was impressed with his audio play. It was the very first audio reading Matt Smith ever performed. And that was a play called The Runaway Train that we reviewed a, a couple of months right. or so ago. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to anything really with, um, with, with his fingerprints on it because I've been impressed with his stuff so far.
1: I'm just hopeful that this will make it over to uh the u s apple store that's the uh, obviously that's my bias um, but uh still good on it for um, getting on a strong platform here
0: no absolutely absolutely now this next news item for me i it, this really has made me laugh um well let's let's get the announcement out of the way to start with. There's a company called Titan merchandise they've released some images. Uh, for the first two figures of their forthcoming masterpiece collection range, they're eight and three-quarter inch length busts depicting the 11th Doctor and Amy Ponds. Now, I'm going to ask you, Chip, have you seen images of these on online yet?
1: Yes, I have, James, and I'm not certain that the word busts is entirely accurate. They're, they're certainly a little bit more than busts. And less than statues. Uh, dear yes. listeners, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, let me explain the busts are in fact statues of the doctor and amy pond that are cut off at the top of the thigh or in amy pond's case at the bottom of the skirt it's like the doctor and amy are growing out of these little pedestals
0: no i'm i'm really glad that you've mirrored my thoughts precisely there and we haven't spoken about this uh, prior to recording i think what there is there of these figures is fantastic and they've captured the likeness of uh, both actors really, really well. But it looks like, I mean, you use the word cut-off, uh, Chip, and that's precisely what I thought it looked like. They've lost their legs somehow, and quite what they were thinking, I've absolutely no idea. I, I can only assume that they've got incredibly talented model makers who is who are really, really skilled from the thigh up, and they just can't do legs, because I can't see any reason not to have the full length of uh, <laughs> of the actors, so it's certainly worthwhile taking a look, listeners, at, at pictures online because they are quite funny, um, interesting range. <laughs> I haven't
1: I haven't met Adam from Staggering Stories in person. There's another podcast reference, dear listener, but I can just imagine him having a a boss like uh, logic breakdown, uh, boss the the third Doctor adversary. Uh, Amy Pond, the statue. It looks lovely there are no legs. She looks lovely, but there are no legs. What do I do? And he falls over.
0: I was in a pub with Adam last night and uh, yeah, the subject of Amy Pond comes up and I, I think he probably gets quite a bad press over this. It's not so much Adam who talks about Amy Pond so much, it's everybody else talks about Adam liking Amy and he, all he does in his defense is not deny it. <laughs> but yes, you're right. Um, I should have asked him what he thought about these uh, th- these models. I'm sure he would have had an opinion. So... There you are working our way through our list of plugs for other podcasts. Um, then staggering stories is one to to certainly listen to to see whether Adam has a particular view on this news item. And we're going to finish up this particular podcast with a little bit of sad news. Really, I mean, every now and again we we have to bring you the news that a member of the Doctor Who alumni has passed away. And on this occasion, it's someone who's quite famous outside of Doctor Who, it's Ingrid Pitt. Her Doctor Who credits include the role of Galea, is that correct, I wonder? I can't remember this particular story. In the 1972 third Doctor story, The Time Monster. And she also appeared, very memorably, I seem to remember, in Warriors of the Deep, along with Peter Davison playing Doctor Solo. And yeah, she had a wonderfully interesting and innovative and creative fight with a large pantomime horse. I seem to remember in that story, but yeah, it's it, it's very sad that she's uh, she's passed
1: away. Forty-seven years of Doctor Who, and uh, as many people have said many times. Uh, the history uh, the living history of the classic series uh becomes more and more precious as each year goes on
0: well chip that brings us to the end of this particular podcast as um yeah what's it been like actually talking for longer than 120 seconds
1: well it's fun it's fun to actually have someone to talk to instead of (laughs) bloviating by myself but if you like my bloviating you can find more of my bloviating at twominutetimelord.com no punctuation
0: Indeed. Well, you, you kind of preempted me. Really, I wanted to wanted to mention. Um, well, there's two things. I've mentioned a couple of times. I've been down the pub last night with a lot of other Doctor Who podcasters, and uh, as I mentioned, Luke was there from the Minute Doctor Who podcast, and we were another, about, reference. another reference, but very relevant this time. <laughs> um, we were talking about your particular podcasts and, you know, how you must have been going through the creative process, you know, when you were thinking, well, I want to do a Doctor Who podcast, my unique setting point is going to be brevity. And the way Luke described it, it's going to stick in my mind. And I wonder if it will for you as well, Chip. He described you as thought for the day. And there is actually a th- thought for the day podcast as well. And it just so happens that your podcast sits next to that one on Luke's Uh, ipod (laughs) so you know it's it's very interesting just hearing how other people refer to uh, and describe other people's podcasts but yeah i mean that's, that's pretty accurate isn't it it's a doctor who thought for the day that sums up your show
1: Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, I, although I'm endeavoring to branch out and to have non-thoughts of the day, <laughs> that will be a very short uh, Doctor Who podcast indeed. Well, listen, thanks for having me along. Uh, can you let me out now?
0: Um, I think not. I think I'll make you sit here and go through just one more podcast with me. So, if you don't mind, James, back I'm, in I'm starting box. to smell. Trust me, it's nothing compared to what this place normally looks like after Trev, Tom and I have finished with it. So (laughs) it's it's a pleasure to have you with us, Chip. Thanks very much for your time. And what are we going to be talking...
1: Don't put me back in the box! No! Back in the...
0: Well, listeners, Chip and I will be back in a week or so, and this time we'll be discussing... The first half of the Paul McGann series for Big Finish Adventures. Uh, You may know that I'm a particularly big fan of Big Finish's productions. And whilst Tom and Trevor are away, I'm going to talk about them a little bit more. So I'll let Chip out of his box in about seven days' time. Thanks very much for listening to us, and we'll be back very soon. Bye for now. That was the Doctor Who podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care.